You are listening to Bold Leadership, Episode 15, From Fighter Pilot to Microsoft, an interview with Colonel Mark Drifter Valentine. Bold Leadership, the science of winning with your host, Dave Evans. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Dave Evans here. Welcome to the Bold Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Bold Leadership Podcast is produced every other Tuesday for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.theevansgp.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud favorites. You can also follow me on Twitter, at The Bold Leader, and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Colonel Mark Valentine is a retired fighter pilot, United States Air Force Weapons School graduate, former commander of the 113th Operations Group. He graduated from the United States Air Force Academy in 1992, earned his master's from Georgetown University, and completed the National Emergency Management Executive Academy at Harvard. Mark has over 100 combat missions in support of operations Provide Comfort, Northern Watch, Southern Watch, and Iraqi Freedom. He has served as a senior military member representative at FEMA, Mark currently leads the team in support of Microsoft's strategic programs for the United States Air Force. He is an incredible leader, husband, father, and friend. Mark, I am thrilled to have you on the show and look forward to your thoughts on the importance of leadership, more importantly, your experience. I'm honored to be here, especially as your first guest, and you were far too kind to me in your introduction. Well, you are an amazing person, and what I see is nothing has changed. We met some 27 years ago. You're still doing great things. So here's my first question for you. We'll start off here. What is your favorite leadership quote? Oh, well, I, I have a lot of favorite leadership quotes. I think if I had to narrow it down to one, though, came from a gentleman named John Boyd, uh, which I think you'll probably remember from our Air Force history. Uh, but he said one time, you can either be somebody or you can do something. And I hope you choose the latter. And I just think that is an outstanding quote. Uh, that is an exceptional quote, and that teaches you to lead by action, not by being. So that's awesome. And how do you apply this quote in your life? Uh, it, well, it's tough, actually, you know, because I think human beings in general seek approbation. You know, they, they want to be liked. They, they want to be respected. Uh, and I think that leads people to make decisions based on how they look instead of what they actually accomplish. So I guess the way I try to apply that quote to my life as I look at every decision that, that I'm making, every goal that I aspire to, and I really soul search and ask myself, hey, listen, am I doing this or wanting to do this just for me, just to make myself feel better, <clears throat> to make myself look better, et cetera? Or, or am I really doing this or do I really want to do this to make my organization more successful, my team more successful, or most importantly, to help somebody else get where they need to go, because I think that's the true essence of leadership. Well, Mark, it sounds like to me not much has changed. You're still a servant leader. How did you apply your servant leadership philosophy to your team in your last assignment leading the 113th Operations Group? It's, it's a great question. And again, it's one of those things, you know, leadership is not a, a unitary event, right? It's a, a series of challenges a series of activities that you have to do, which is why I think it takes a lot of energy. I guess there are a couple of examples of ways that I did it. I had a very rough start to, to my last command at, at Andrews. Uh, we had a major aircraft accident where two airplanes ran into each other at night. 
one of the one of the pilots in one airplane had to eject, and thankfully we were able to get him out of the water thanks to the help of the, the U.S. Coast Guard. He had some serious injuries, but but he's fine now. But that was a real shock, and and you know from the flying world and from the command world, one of the most significant things that can happen as, as an Air Force commander is to have some sort of major aircraft accident, because that's an indicator. You know, these things normally aren't just uh, freak accidents. You know, there's a chain of events that we'll go through and investigate. And having that happen so soon after I took command, it, it was both a challenge and an opportunity. The challenge was taking a very high-performing organization and keeping them on the tracks, keeping them motivated, and and, and continuing the mission because we, we had a big mission here in the Washington, D.C. area. And the opportunity was there to maybe take some stale behaviors, some some less than constructive culture uh, aspects that we had, and, and really shake that up and make the organization make the organization a higher performing organization in the end. Now, for everybody listening, I want to explain to you what Mark's mission was. Mark's mission in the 113th Operation Group was to protect our nation's capital. They served Overwatch for the capital when, when anything kicked off and supported Noble Eagle every day. So thanks for your service and your team's work in the capital region, keeping us safe. Uh, no worries. Again, my, my honor. But like I said, it, the, the opportunity there was to go and look at every aspect of our operation, and not only in the context of the accident, but just as an organization writ large, from how we attracted new talent, how we trained that talent, how we gave leadership opportunities to that talent, and I, I honestly feel that the accident, as much as I hate to say it, gave us that opportunity to, to make that organization a, a far better organization. Well, it sounds like you guys definitely turned a negative into a positive. Now, so what do you see as the biggest leadership challenge companies face today? You know, you've just transitioned out of the military into a large corporation. What do you see as their biggest leadership challenge? Oh, wow. And, and now, I don't think this is specific to the to the corporate world, Dave. I, I see a leadership deficit everywhere uh, across the country. Again, not just corporate America, but, you know, I look at our, our political environment. I look at our academic environments. Uh, just about everywhere, I see this leadership deficit. And I think it's a cultural thing. Uh, I really do. And unfortunately, I think it's an unintended consequence from what I think was a well-meaning idea. And specifically what I'm talking about is if you go, even at my daughter's high school right now, you, you walk around this high school and everyone's talking about leadership. Here's this leadership opportunity. Here's this service opportunity. And uh, here in the state of Maryland, where my daughter goes to high school, you actually have to log a certain number of hours of, of uh, community service and leadership service before you can graduate. And I think that is a phenomenal uh, idea, very well-meaning but but what I fear, Dave, is that we have now turned what is a very awesome idea, leadership and service, into a checkbox mentality. And I see it all the time. Uh, and I think something else that, that affects this is the college admissions process is so much more competitive now. The job market is competitive. And I see our, our youngsters, uh, and I don't just mean high school, I'm talking college age and all the way, you know, uh, I still consider myself young, but in folks into their 30s and 40s, that 
it's almost like to get those differentiators, to get that new bullet on a resume, people are just going through the motions and this checkbox mentality of, I just need one more thing to put on my resume. And that I think that's a huge problem because I think it goes back to the initial quote that I gave you. It violates John Boyd's concept of you can either be somebody or you can do something. And I think it's created, again, started out as a very well-meaning idea, but the unintended consequence, I believe, this is my personal opinion, is that now people are chasing those checkboxes to be somebody, and people have forgotten the real meaning of leadership and service, which is to do something. I'm going to go off script here because you, you highlighted a point I think that we both saw in our careers, and, and, and it's amazing that you've translated that to the rest of the world because I, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right on the mark. But the checkbox mentality. Hey, yes, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I lost you there for a minute, but I've got you loud and clear. Uh, no worries. Uh, it, it's amazing. This is something that I think you and I both saw in our careers. A checkbox mentality style leadership was extremely detrimental to a lot of units as I grew up over the last 22 years in the military. I'm sure you saw the same thing. I, I feel like we'll probably see the same challenges in the rest of the world since we're driving our kids and future leaders that direction. I never thought about it this way, and that's a great insight as to what's happening to our nation and how we look at leadership as opposed to creating servant leaders that want to do it because they're excited about it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we use terms like charity and service, and these are awesome terms. But when my daughter was explaining to me, here is a high school graduation requirement to perform this many charitable hours of service, I looked at her and I'm like, do you not see a – a conflict in that, if you're mandating that somebody do charitable service, is it actually charitable at that point? And again, that's just one aspect, but but I think is an indicator of a broader cultural problem that we have. Yeah, I think you're right on the mark. So I'm going to ask you a question about your current business. You've been in the job, what, a month now? Almost? Maybe two? Uh, yeah, just about a month. All right. <laughs> so what is the one thing that is really exciting you about your business today? There are a lot of things, Dave. I, again, as you indicated, uh, I just started work at Microsoft, which a lot of people say, well, how does a fighter pilot end up at Microsoft? And it, it's a long story that I'll spare your listeners. Uh, we can always talk offline if anyone would like to know. But it's an exciting time to be at Microsoft and really to be in the IT world in general. I think that the entire industry is finally realizing its its vision and its potential to help people become more productive. There are new data visualization technologies, new collaboration technologies. I mean, you and I are, are talking via a Skype connection. And, you know, when you and I went to school, that would have been science fiction, and now it happens on a daily basis. And, you know, even five years ago, these technologies existed, but to make them work, it took a certain level of expertise that I don't think you have to have now. And I think that is really exciting when you start talking about the democratization of knowledge, being able to to move information across the world, to make people's lives better. And, and I love the the energy at, at working at an IT company, uh, especially at Microsoft. There are a lot of young people. And honestly, Dave, they feel like they're changing, them, changing the world. And you know what? In a lot of ways, they are. And, and I really, really enjoy that energy and the just the opportunity and sense of knowing that I, I can have a role in that and, and making people more productive and, and their lives better. Well, I'll tell you, I, I thoroughly enjoy the technological people I know. Um, they're, they're amazing. They do great things. And they're lucky to have you as a leader to help them, guide them down the path to success. 
So let's go to the next set of well, questions. Well, I hope so. It's... <laughs> Trust me, they are very lucky to have you. Let's go to our rapid fire round. So what was your biggest fear when accepting your first leadership challenge? Oh, that's easy. Uh, what, what if I fail? A huge fear that I had. And it's funny because now I look back on it and I don't fear failure. I feel or I fear not failing fast enough <laughs> because it's basically an indicator that I wasted my time. So, yeah, that, that was probably it. I, I was afraid, man, what if I fail? How is this going to look? What are people going to say about me? Which, again, gets back to that original quote, which I think indicated that I was trying to be somebody instead of doing something. And when you focus on doing something rather than trying to be someone, I think you want to fail. That way you know, okay, that wasn't the right way. Let's pick the next, the next way and try that out. Challenge people to fail. I love it. What is the best leadership advice you have ever received? Hmm. I've received a lot of great leadership advice, and I think most of it is contextual. But if you're asking for just a general statement, uh, I, I love a quote. I had the opportunity to talk to a, a great gentleman named Nick Saban, who I think a lot of your, your listeners might recognize as the head coach of the Alabama football team. But he comes to speak at Boy State, where I've been a counselor for quite a while. And, and the advice that he gives the students, he says, focus on your goals not your circumstances. And I just think that is awesome advice because it is so easy to get wrapped up in one's own world and go, oh, this didn't work out well for me. I've got a rock in my shoe. I can't do that. And that's an indicator that people are focusing on their circumstances and not their goals. And, and when they do that, they almost never achieve their goals. So I thought that was outstanding advice. Yeah, I think that's great advice too. So what leadership book would you recommend to our listeners? Again, there there are lots of books. I think one of the ones that's changed the way I've looked at leadership, uh, and again, I think the hallmark of any good educational experience or book is that if you think differently about the subject when you're done reading it, then that's an indicator it was an awesome book or educational opportunity. And for me, that book was probably Good to Great by Jim Collins. He has a discussion in that book about what he calls level five leadership, uh, which I think every leader or aspiring leader should read because it, it would really change what you think of as a leader. Because, again, prior to that, in, in my younger days, I've often thought of leadership as, all right, a leader is the, the glowing personality that walks into the room and somehow bestows inspiration upon his or her followers and team members, and that is how things get done. And that's true maybe in some instances, but I think for the large majority of, of leadership context these days, that is not true. And in fact, after reading Jim Collins' book, I've kind of come up with uh, another idea that, you know, leadership is not like a, a, a waterfall where this inspiration falls from the, the brilliant leader. I think that true leaders, it's really more like a series of locks and dams where that leader takes that inspirational energy from the team and, and actually gets inspired by them and, and collects that energy, holds that energy and nurtures it. And then when that team needs it, that's when that person is there to give it back. And someone that I think is just awesome at this, Dave, uh, who I'm sure that, that you've seen is General Welsh, the current chief of staff of the Air Force. Uh, to hear that, that man speak, you can tell he is inspired by members of the United States Air Force. And in turn, when times get rough, I've seen him deliver addresses and, and, and deliver 
uh, words of inspiration that you can tell he has been holding and nurturing, and now he's just giving it back. So good to great kind of put me on that journey to changing my view of, of what true leadership is. Yeah, and it's nice you mentioned General Welsh. He has been very inspirational and very, uh, very wonderful as a no bull kind of leader for the Air Force. You know, telling it like it is and answering the hard questions, which every young person Absolutely. appreciates. I've loved watching him rise to his uh, position. Imagine, if, imagine if you woke up tomorrow morning and were hired to replace a well-liked CEO in a failing company. The company has a significant culture problem and lack of focus, which is accelerating its demise. What would you do in the next 30 days to, in order to change the course of the company? Hmm. Well, I'd start with saying if this company has a culture problem, that's something that cannot be fixed in 30 days. Uh, and I don't think it could be fixed by one person. So I think the, the first thing would I would have to steal myself to the fact that I cannot solve this problem alone and I cannot solve it in 30 days. Furthermore, culture problems kind of in general, they don't start overnight. And normally it's not just one person. Culture by definition means that there are lots of people. And from my experience in the past, when you have culture problems, I think that there are people at the middle levels slash higher levels of management that are either complicit or completely ignorant uh, of the solution, both of which are bad. So therefore, as much as I hate to say it, somebody's got to go. And so I think I would spend my first, call it two weeks, uh, so 15 days, trying to figure out where that cancerous behavior is that is allowing the culture problem to, to occur. I would spend one day conducting those, we'll call them human resources actions, for lack of a better term. And then I would spend the, the final two weeks that I have rebuilding that team and after excising that cancer, putting the um, – putting the sutures in and trying to, to rebuild the team. Well, Mark, I have to tell you, I absolutely love your answer. I think we're both on the same line with that. Culture problems will, de will destroy a company in a heartbeat. Do you have anything yeah. else you'd like to tell the listeners of Bold Leadership uh, before we go today? Uh, no, Dave. I, like I said, I just appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, I, again, I'm honored that uh, anyone would think of me in the – the context of being a great leader to, to come and speak on your show. Uh, I appreciate your service and, and your leadership that, that uh, you've executed throughout not only your years in the United States Air Force, but also now in the private sector. Uh, I, again, have had the wonderful opportunity to serve as a counselor at Alabama Boys State for the last 27, 28 years. And the, our director of Alabama Boys State has always given me a, a platform to speak uh, a couple hours uh, for, for the week there. And one of the things that I always try to highlight to all those young men, and I was typically wearing my uniform when I did this, but I would highlight the, the absolute necessity, the obligation to, to lead and to serve, but it doesn't always have to be uh, wearing a uniform. That is how I chose to do you know, the first quarter century of my adult life uh, in service, uh, and it was wonderful. I wouldn't change it at all, but that life of service is not for everyone. That, however, does not mean that you don't have an obligation to serve. Many people are going to serve as members of their city council, as teachers, as business professionals, uh, as scientists. And I just would, if I could leave your audience with anything, in, in our representative democracy, we absolutely have to have people that are ready to serve, willing to serve, willing to lead. 
But those forms of leadership, there are tons of ways to do that. Doesn't mean you have to put on a uniform and be a police officer or a military professional, but please go out and do something. Do something for your community and help somebody else get where they need to go. I think that's the essence of doing something, not being someone. Well, again, Mark, it was a privilege having you today. Great wisdom for the folks that listen to the podcast. Uh, I look forward to you sharing your adventure with us as you move through the corporate structure, which I'm sure you will do quickly. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, that's great, Dave. Again, thanks uh, for your time, and it was my pleasure to be here. I am Dave Evans, and this has been Bold Leadership. Follow Bold Leadership on Twitter at The Bold Leader and Facebook.com slash The Evans GP. To subscribe to Bold Leadership, visit TheEvansGP.com slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode of Bold Leadership, I would be grateful if you'd leave a review in iTunes. And remember, be bold.